Crow. Welcome all to Americana the American Way. Oh shit. Let me throw a more little more light on myself. A little better. Um whew. not talking politics tonight on Americana the American Way. Something that I think is is as American as apple pie, wrestling. The World Wrestling Entertainment put on a premium live event this evening, formerly known as a pay-per-view event. Uh, this one was called WrestleMania Backlash. Backlash from what happened at WrestleMania. A chance for the losers and the winners and whoever's to get their revenge. So, find me on Getter and Twitter at the real underscore Big John, on Spotify and the Anchor Podcast app at Americana the American Way. Same channel on Rumble.com, Americana the American Way. And. To set the stage for this, I really didn't know what was going on with this pay-per-view. I, I just recently started uh, my Hulu streaming again, so I missed a few weeks of wrestling. And to be honest, I didn't. I don't feel like I missed a lot. Um, I really there wasn't much to be excited about in WWE or AEW, for all that matter. But uh, the only matches I knew of off the top of my head going into this were uh, uh, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair in an I Quit match and the uh, Usos and Roman Reigns versus RK Bro and Drew McIntyre for uh, in a six-man tag match with... No, nothing on the line. Um, initially, there was supposed to be a tag team unification match, and then Roman Reigns versus uh, Drew McIntyre. But I, I guess maybe they figured there there was no sense in unifying the tag team titles, and there was no sense in uh, a Drew versus Roman match where the winner would just get both world title belts. So, uh, eventually I figured out, okay, so I was watching the pre-show for a few minutes and saw we had Edge versus AJ Styles. Um, Or actually, no, I didn't. I figured that out beforehand. Edge, I said to myself, well, Edge is probably going to do something with somebody. I heard that there was a match with Edge coming up. Um, right now, the WWE has the worst planning. The is it worst or worse? Well, they're doing a terrible job of planning things out. Um, there was nothing to really get you motivated to watch this, other than Charlotte versus Ronda in the I Quit match. Uh, that was it. I mean, I 
So what what was your what was your point of tuning in for this? What's the point of tuning into WWE every week? To be honest with you, you know, I mean, at least all elite wrestling, they'll give you something to tune into. You know, is there going to be you know a knockdown drag out? Uh, gimmick match. I think they've done more gimmick matches in their three-year history than any other wrestling company has in three years, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Recently, their whole... Everything they're doing is just ruining their product. But they're making... uh, reporting, you know, record-making profits. So you have this Nick Khan, Khan artist, Nick, no relation to Tony Khan. Uh, he's kind of running the business side, and Vince is still doing a lot of creative with the wrestling side. But it's like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Like they've ruined NXT their developmental company. I mean, it was the best brand in wrestling for about a five-year run. I mean, fans were getting excited about wrestling again because of what these new young superstars were doing at this place called NXT that you could only see on the WWE Network for an hour or two once a week. But... They're putting on some of the best matches. They had the best wrestlers who are now the best wrestlers on the main roster. Um, but now Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Johnny Ace have started dabbling in NXT. And while Hunter or Triple H or Paul Levesque was out getting his heart fixed, they ruined it. Uh, went from like a dark, dingy, heavy metal fight club feel to these bright colors, bright lights everywhere. Uh, NXT 2.0, and it's like um, the thing, the 2.0 thing went out of style at least 22 years ago, <laughs> maybe longer than that. Um, But Vince lives in a wrestling bubble. He doesn't know anything but WWE. Johnny Ace is, and Bruce Pritchard are probably perverts. Uh, women's wrestling is the hottest thing going. The women in every company are putting on some of the best matches in wrestling. And they're beautiful women on top of that. But their wrestling is outstanding. I guess there was a two-hour meeting at NXT. And I don't know who was running the meeting. Nobody has said. But the women were told to wear sexier ring attire. uh, Things like fishnets and booty shorts and stuff like that. Now that works for some women wrestlers. But if everybody's doing it, then it's not unique to one person. Secondly, 
I, that's not what I want to see in women's wrestling anymore. I don't want Playboy pillow fights and pudding matches or gravy bowl matches, bikini contests, and this ignoramus crap. These women are athletes. Sasha Banks and Bailey stole the show at so many wrestling events on NXT and on the quote main roster. They don't need to dress like prostitutes or strippers. But the, this is the Johnny Ace way. That's how it was before when he was head of talent relations. And I don't know why Vince has him around. He, When he was Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis never drew a dime in wrestling. He rode the coattails of his big brother, Road Warrior Animal, at and got booked because he was Animal's brother. That being said, it's hard to get pumped up for these pay-per-views or premium live events other than I know that the wrestlers are going to go all in and put on great matches. The WWE, no matter what you say, no matter... What Dave Meltzer or whoever on the internet, or I am on the internet, no matter what anyone says, WWE has all of the best wrestlers from top to bottom. They have the best wrestlers. Now, it may not last long when they keep getting rid of people like Dexter Loomis, who is on NXT every week and just suddenly gets fired for no reason. He was in the middle in a big in a big storyline. You had Dakota Kai who was in the middle of a big storyline, fired. Persia Parada, who was a great wrestler, uh, but she I, she Johnny Ace probably and Nick Khan probably decided she didn't look good in fishnets and she didn't have the body style for fishnets. She was a curvy girl, but athletic and could wrestle, but she wasn't. Uh, she didn't have a stripper body, so they got rid of her. Dakota Kai, great wrestler, not a great body, very skinny. I think she needed to gain some muscle or some weight. Frankly, I kind of felt bad for her. She weighed about ninety-eight pounds, or maybe eighty-nine pounds. I don't know, but anyway, it was still a great worker. But they all got fired. Does the person doing the firing know what is happening on television? Because, yes, wrestling's a business, but wrestling is supposed to be entertainment to us fans. And if suddenly somebody who's in the middle of a storyline, they just had a big wedding angle for uh, Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis, and then they fire Dexter Loomis. And NXT is so terrible now. Whoever's doing the writing, whatever storybook writer they have writing NXT, they're doing all these uh, little skits in between the matches. You know, uh, uh, the, the, it's just stupid. I'm not even going to explain the little skits. But anyhow, uh, some news broke this morning on... Uh, what culture wrestling? WhatCulture.com? Uh, what culture wrestling on YouTube? 
Roman Reigns, I guess, gave some kind of a speech at a house show in uh, a small town in New Jersey or or Pennsylvania. Uh, said, you know, this I might not see you guys for a long time. So is he leaving to go to Hollywood? Is he just taking on a lighter schedule because he's been, you know, on top for several years now and working a, a lot? Uh, it's hard to say. Hopefully his, uh, I hope his um, leukemia is not back. However, I think if it were, it, there would have been a much more abrupt ending. Uh, he would have left more abruptly. So I don't know what that means. This speech that he gave thank, thanking the fans and saying it might be a while before I see you again or I might not see you again. But anyways, that's what's up with Roman Reigns. I'm going to recap the PPV, the premium live event, whatever it's called. Moment airily. Entrance music, by the way, if you're wondering what the hell that was. The so the show started out with uh, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, the whole build up to this match, and this was part of the match of the night. It was a Matt Classic, uh, but again, I said the build up to these matches weren't great. The build up to this was uh, Seth. didn't know who his opponent was going to be at WrestleMania. He was surprised to see Cody Rhodes come out. And since he didn't have time to prepare, he needed uh, a re a revenge match or a rematch with Cody. Um, these are two guys that could main event any pay-per-view anywhere. I take nothing away from them as wrestlers. Again, it's the build-up to the matches. They're not giving me anything to cling on to. There's nothing there to make you say, Oh, i got to see who wins this. Oh, I lost at WrestleMania, so I have to have a second match. That's the whole angle. Um, Rollins started out good. Uh, he looked like he had all of Cody's moves scouted. All of Cody's kind of patented signature moves. Um, it started out fast. It started out great. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I wrote down, duh, ring rust. One of the announcers brought up, well, you know, Cody might have some ring rust. He hasn't been in WWE for six years. Corey Graves had to point out that Cody has been wrestling steadily for the last six years, just not in WWE. And everybody watching the show had to be going, oh, yeah, ring, wait a minute, ring rust? Huh? <laughs> I know WWE, the announcers are told not to acknowledge any other company, sort of. Uh, but we all know Cody's been wrestling. He, he basically saved and took over Ring of Honor. 
temporarily anyways till the pandemic happened then um, he established uh, all elite wrestling excuse me but I guess although Cody and other people are listed as executive vice presidents well Cody was their role was never really running the company. Maybe they had some input at first. But it's always been Tony Khan at the helm. Anyways, back to this match. Um, I like this version of Seth Rollins. It's not... It's not a gimmick. It's the real Seth Rollins, or whoever he is, with the volume turned up to 11. And that's what good wrestlers are. They bring out their inner personality and turn the volume up to 11. That's why The Rock was The Rock. That's why Stone Cold Steve Austin, once he became the beer-swilling redneck, uh... That's who he was inside, and when that came out of him, then he became the biggest thing in wrestling. Okay. So this version of Seth Rollins is good. It's not this tacky, stupid, gimmick, Monday Night Messiah crap. Uh, it was a good seesaw battle. The crowd was into it. They had a lot of false finishes. The best thing is when I see the fans getting into the match and they're cheering and they're chanting, this is awesome, that's what wrestling should be. Every match has a, is a story arc. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this match had all of those things. Cody won when he rolled Roman Reigns up and grabbed him by the tights. This match went 30 minutes, or maybe a little over. That's You hardly see a 30-minute Matt Classic in WWE these days, where the fans are into the match the whole time. And that was really cool to see that. You know, these, now, if a match goes 30, 40 minutes, half the match is the wrestlers laying on the mat trying to catch their breath. Uh, after, you know, a series of, you know, big spots. This wasn't that. This was a constant match wrestling, 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 wrestling. Not a lot of, you know, goofy high spots. Although Cody had a great superplex off the top rope on Seth Rollins. You know, so there were high spots, but they weren't acrobat flippy shit, okay? Next, you had Bobby Lashley versus Omos. I love the way they're building Omos up. I said that from the beginning. He, he just At first, he just came out as AJ Styles' bodyguard. Then he was AJ's tag partner. And he wrestles a slow, stalking, methodical style. With <clears throat> power moves, power holds... And then he stalks his opponent around the ring. 
that's how a guy Omos's size and Omos's talent level should work. It didn't work with the great Kali because the great Kali didn't even have half as much um, athleticism as Omos. And Omos is not a, a gifted athlete. He was a basketball player in college, but he's not a, a great athlete. He's just a big, big, strong guy. So Lashley is a big guy, but he looks small next to Omos. So that's good for getting Omos over. Uh, the only way Bobby Lashley was able to get offense in was by tying Omos up in the top rope. He did that Andre the Giant thing where he'd fall back into the ropes and get his arms wrapped up in the top and the middle ropes. Uh, and then that's where Bobby got some offense in. Uh, Bobby had to take out Omos's knees to get Omos in the full Nelson. And even then he had a hard time because of Omos's size. So that was good for pu putting Omos over. Uh, eventually, while the ref wasn't looking, MVP uh, hit Bobby Lashley with his cane. And then Omos wins with a double uh, two-handed choke slam on Bobby Lashley. It was a slow match, but it was a good wrestling match. Omos did very well for his size and his ability, and they're bringing him along with his size and ability real slow, real methodical, the way a big guy like that should be. Okay? Remember when The Undertaker first came out, he was a lot more athletic than Omos, but he built up slowly and he would do a quick snap move or he would do that flying clothesline where he would get horizontal in the air and clothesline his opponent and then he would stalk around the ring and just look at them. You know, that's a lot like what Omos is doing right now. Then we came to Edge versus AJ Styles. Um, another grudge match. Um, you know, AJ's whole thing was, I need a return match because uh, at WrestleMania, I got distracted by Damian Priest at ringside. So... The thing that made me want to watch this match was these two guys could have good matches with a broomstick. It's impossible for AJ and Edge to not have a good match. So I knew this was going to be good. AJ started out fast looking for you know revenge on Edge. He mixed high-flying moves with violence. You know, he wanted to get his his vengeance at Edge. Uh, Edge had a reversal of fortunes by attacking AJ's bad shoulder. So that was the rest of the match, you know. Edge going after AJ's bad shoulder. Then Damian Priest comes out and he's barred from ringside. 
but he's in the aisle way and AJ's perched on the top rope going or pointing at Priest going, hey, you're not supposed to be here. And Priest points down at the ground and says, you know, uh, basically saying, I'm in the aisle way. I'm not at ringside. Well, then from out of nowhere, Finn Balor comes and saves the day, attacks Priest from behind. Uh, he and AJ are reforming the, um, what were they called? The Bullet Club, although the WWE can't use the name Bullet Club. AJ and Finn were in the Bullet Club in New Japan Wrestling. Uh, is it New Japan? Yeah. And so they're partnered up again. They're buddies again. Okay, cool. So AJ or uh, Finn and Priest, they fight into the ring. Lady Ref Jess keeps yelling at him to get out of the ring. Eventually they roll out of the ring and fight off into the crowd somewhere. AJ's still standing on the top rope. Edge is still down in the ring selling. Suddenly a mystery person appears at ringside with a hood and a mask on. And while Lady Ref Jess is tending to uh, Priest and Balor on the outside, which there was no reason for her to do that, but somebody had to distract her for the masked person to attack AJ Styles. So the person in the mask yanks AJ off the top rope. His bad shoulder comes down across the top ring rope. Edge puts him in a cross face and then turns the cross face into a sleeper hold. Edge wins by uh, knockout, I guess you would say. So the masked person ends up being revealed to be, and this is awesome, Please don't screw this up anymore, WWE. The masked person ends up turning out to be Rhea Ripley. It's been rumored for a while that she was going to join this new faction with Edge. And I think it'll be good for her career. It's been lackluster since she's been on the main roster. She was made women's champion way too quickly when she should have been put on you know, a, a long winning streak and they should have done something better with Asuka as champion to build up and make you want to see Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. Instead, let's just put the belt on Rhea Ripley because she's popular and then we'll burn her out and reduce her to a mid-card act. So, moving along, now we come to what should have been the main event, in my opinion. Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. I don't care for Ronda Rousey uh, and her personality in, her, in real life. Um, there's a lot of insecurity being covered up by this pretend badass bit. Uh... If you listen to Dana White, if you listen or read her biography, she cries a lot. When she loses in Ultimate Fighting, she cries till snot comes out of her nose. Um, the whole thing with ba uh, my bad reputation and I'm the baddest woman. She's not the baddest woman on the planet. A sergeant knocked the fuck out twice. 
uh, one time in under a minute. But anyways, Charlotte, again, another person who can have a good match with a broomstick, you know, can win, is probably the best all-around wrestler in WWE or damn close to it. I don't know anyone else who has her microphone skills, her work ability, her in-ring ability is what I'm talking about. Uh, She has an attitude problem, but she knows that the WWE women's division has been on her coattails. Now, Sasha Banks, I think, is up there. Becky Lynch is way up there uh, with Charlotte. But they always turn to Charlotte Flair when they need somebody to carry the women's division. All right, and that's what built make get yeah, gives Charlotte an ego. All right, um, so they start this match out. The referee has the microphone in his hand, so somebody can say "I quit." Now I'm glad they did that the right way because the announcers kept screwing up or one of them did and kept saying tap out tap out somebody's got to tap out in order to lose this match no the stipulation is they have to say the words I quit and this was honestly a better I quit match than the uh, Tolly versus Magnum I quit match it went longer that's for certain. It was a lot, much longer match. And I would argue to say even more brutal. Uh, but anyways, the first I Quit match that I remember seeing was Tully Blanchard uh, saying I Quit to Magnum TA. And that was sort of the standard bearer for I Quit matches, but this one was much better. Um, Ronda started out fast with some judo throws. They went back and forth for a while and that was good they fought up into the uh, crowd uh, Charlotte got Rhonda uh, wrapped around the guard the not guardrail the handrail as you walk down the steps there's the handrails that go down the middle Charlotte you know had her in kind of a I guess a modified camel clutch if you will uh, with Rhonda's back being bent and half across the handrail. Of course, Rhonda didn't give up then. Uh, they brought out the Singapore canes and were beating each other. And you could see the welts on Charlotte's body. I mean, it, it was it was rough. Um, and then Charlotte grabbed the camera from the cameraman and threw it at, at at uh, Rhonda. I just thought that was hilarious. Um, the crowd was chanting for tables. Uh, and it was just a brutal match. And I, this is where I say the women steal the show. Just let the women wrestle. Don't do this Bruce Pritchard, Johnny Ace garbage of you have to wear fishnets and dress sexy. Neither one of these women were dressed like strippers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I apologize to the ladies in WWE that do wrestle like that in that kind of gear, but, you know, Johnny Ace, you're such a loser. You don't have, not everything has to be perverted. Or whoever's coming up with that, Vince, whoever, 
I guess there was a two-hour meeting at NXT where the women were told to dress sexier, wear fishnets. They don't need that. Sorry. I mean, this was maybe the best match of the night. Uh, there was a spot in the match where <clears throat> Charlotte got her foot tangled in the top rope and was uh, on the out. Most of her body was on the outside of the ring. Rhonda gets up there and gets her in the arm bar. And Charlotte's screaming, no, no, I won't give up. And I think this is the point where Charlotte should have said, I quit. But they, they kept going, and somehow, for some reason, I don't know why, I guess it had to have been a planned spot, but it looked terrible. They went tumbling from where Charlotte's foot was hooked on the top rope and Rhonda was hanging by Charlotte's arm with Rhonda's Rhonda started out with the arm bar where she was Rhonda was on the ring apron. Then Rhonda's hanging upside down with Charlotte's arm still in the arm bar. And Rhonda's head almost touching the floor. And then they just tumbled off of the ring ropes. I mean, Charlotte took a three or four foot spill. Rhonda took a, a two or three foot spill. And it just looked awkward. I thought Charlotte landed straight on her head. I was legit worried that, you know, we had another Big E incident on our hands when Charlotte landed. But she was okay, thank heavens. Rhonda was holding her wrist for a long time after this. I don't know if she uh, heard it in the spill off of the, the ring apron there, the edge of the ring. Um, but it just, the whole thing looked clumsy and awkward. So they, they fight on. The match ends with... Uh, Charlotte getting a, a chair, pardon me, Charlotte getting a flare, no, a chair. She went, uh, told Rhonda, this is it, you better give up mom. And Charlotte had her hands resting on the uh, seat of the chair. And Rhonda, they showed on replay and they shouldn't have. She just grabs Charlotte's hand and pulls it really easily, too easily, through the chair and gets Charlotte in an arm bar and Charlotte's selling but she won't give up and so the the ref asked is asking Charlotte to give up and then for some reason he takes the microphone over to Rhonda even though Rhonda's the one who's got Charlotte Rhonda's on the offensive why would she say, I give, I quit? Anyways, so the ref's telling or asking Charlotte to quit. He then puts the microphone in front of Rhonda so she can say, I hope that's what you'd say, bitch. And then Rhonda turns Charlotte's, bends Charlotte's arm the way your arm is made to bend, but they sold it as if the announcers tried to sell it as if Rhonda bent Charlotte's arm backwards. Well, you could see that ain't what happened. 
Uh, Rhonda then puts her feet on the back of the chair and the seat of the chair and pushes on the chair for leverage. And then finally, Charlotte says, I quit, I quit. Uh, Charlotte was fake crying after the match. Rhonda kind of walked gingerly up the rampway. Like I said, it was a brutal match. Both women put it all on the line and took some hard hits with the Singapore canes, with the chairs, with the bumps. I mean, just really put it all out there. Uh, This match was another long one. Uh, I didn't have a timer going, but they gave them a lot of time, which was good. Um... And again, for me, as a fan, because there was something on the line here, this should have been the main event. Okay, this should have been the this was the match you tuned in to see. This was the match that had the best build, it was for a world title. Why was it not the main event? It was the third match from the top. There were two matches after this. But Ronda wins with the armbar through the chair. Uh, I Hey, two thumbs up. Great job, ladies. Uh, you know, Ronda worked her butt off in this match. Charlotte, of course, carried it. But outstanding match. Great fight. Um, next we had Mad Cat Moss versus Happy Corbin. You know, I like both these guys as wrestlers. I'm not going to diss them very much. But again, not a great build to this match. Um, I just made a note this was the bathroom break match for me. Um, I didn't pay much attention to it. I think I might have sent a tweet out saying how great Ronda and Charlotte were. Uh, And it was a decent wrestling match from what I saw when I glimpsed at the TV. Mad Cat Moss won with a sunset flip. Again, doesn't do anything for me. There was not a great build. Oh my goodness, these guys used to be friends and now they've turned on each other. Okay, why do I care? Alright, so the main event, which should have been... This should have been flip-flopped. This should have went on when Ronda and Charlotte went on. Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. That was kind of a match to bring let the crowd recover from an awesome match. So they wouldn't be deflated for the main event. But Ronda and Charlotte should have went on in this place, in my opinion. Because there was a world title on the line. There was a better build-up. It was an I quit match. This is just your basic six-man tag team match. What's on the line here? What's at stake? Why why do I want to see this? There's nothing that makes me want to watch this match. Other than there's six great wrestlers involved. Um, I said to myself, I'm not really interested in this match. There's nothing on the line. Uh... I know Randy Orton cannot have a bad match. 
in a match like this, Randy Orton is going to have several spots, several moments where he just shines above everyone else and makes other people look good. So the first thing I noticed, I heard the crowd pop and I, I, I kind of, like I said, wasn't paying a lot of attention to this. But I looked up and it's Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns facing off. Which tells me that there should have been a main event match of McIntyre versus Reigns. Uh, even if it was obvious that maybe McIntyre was going to win one of the title belts and then go to Monday Night Raw and be the Raw champion. Um, And it would have been better to have RK-Bro versus the Usos for the tag team titles. Which, that was the original plan. It was supposed to be RK-Bro and the Usos versus the Usos for the World Unified Tag Team Championship. Or for the tag team titles. Well, then that plan got washed and... There was supposed to be a separate Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match, I heard. And that got rolled into a six-man tag match. Why? Make a decision, WWE, because decisions will make the fans interested. A, give us a direction. Did you know? You probably didn't because you're probably not watching at this point. But in the 1970s, there was a great wrestler by the name of Superstar Billy Graham. Not the best mat tactician, technician, but a great wrestler. Vince McMahon Sr. told Billy Graham what day he would win the world title and what day he would drop the world title to Bob Backlund a year later. That's planning. And that's long-term storylines that keep fans coming back. Alright? So, the crowd popped when Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre faced off. So that tells me those two guys should be in an angle together. Drew McIntyre is one of the best baby-faced baby face sellers I've ever seen. He works great as a baby face. I mean, just tremendous. My dog's making noise. Sorry. Um, so, you had a good match back and forth. High spots, wrestling. Uh, the Bloodline beat the crap out of Matt Riddle for a while. Then, I mean, for like a long time. Okay? Uh... <laughs> uh Pat McAfee, who I think is so great on commentary, just phenomenal. Uh, he said there's not enough CBD in whatever state they were in to make uh, Riddle feel better tomorrow. He's going to be feeling this beating for a week. Because <laughs> like, we all know Matt Riddle's a pothead. Um, so then Riddle gets the hot tag to Drew McIntyre. We again have the Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre face-off. There's nobody for Reigns to run to. 
uh, all both Usos are knocked off the ring apron. So we have McIntyre versus uh, Roman Reigns for a few minutes. Uh, then they went into a spot where everybody was in and out of the ring. Everybody was hitting their finishing moves. Uh, there was a good move where uh, um, Randy Orton was RKO and people left and right out of nowhere. Um, I forget which one of the Usos he RKO'd. And it looked like Roman was going to come from out of nowhere while Randy was uh, celebrating or sulking in the moment of his RKO. Uh, and Randy instead caught Roman Reigns in mid-Superman punch and gave him an RKO. Um, it, so it was, you know, great. They were all in the ring, in and out, quick uh, for a few minutes there to let everybody get their finishing move in, get their 15 seconds of fame. Uh, Riddle looked like he was going to beat one, Jimmy or Jay Uso. I don't remember which one. But it looks like he had one of the Usos right where he wanted him. Uh, and then Roman Reigns made a uh, surprise tag or a tag that Riddle didn't see. And I don't think the ref saw it either, but I don't know how the ref can see a tag when his back was turned to Roman. But anyhow, uh, Roman Reigns made the blind tag, speared Riddle after he hit uh, his finishing move on one of the Usos. Uh, Reigns gets the pin on Matt Riddle, uh, and the bloodline wins the match. And... Then Michael Cole talked for five minutes about the the bloodline may be the most dominant faction in the history of wrestling and this and that. And eh, it's hard to top the four horsemen as the most dominant faction. It seemed like they were on top for like 20 years, but uh, actually it was more like a five or ten year run they had. Um, but really uh, at the top they were probably on top for five years but so the bloodline's been on top for a year and they're already being called the best team best faction um and that's fine they got to build their their characters up um you know roman reigns has reigned <laughs> no pun intended as champion for a one of the longest reigns since Hulk Hogan. Um, and so he's being mentioned with the likes of Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund. Uh, I mean, Bruno had like a seven or eight year run uh, in the 60s into the 70s. And then when his body was just too beat up, he laid the championship down for a while. And then when they needed him to come back, he had another multi-year run. Uh now things were they wrestled every night back then, but there was less exposure on TV. So, in this modern era, for Roman Reigns to be over and be able to carry the company really for two years almost uh, and be the top bad guy. Uh, and have that belt, you know, 
and the fans dig him. He's a popular bad guy. So that that is a, an accomplishment. Uh, I just have a hard time putting him up there in the category with Bruno San Martino. But he's still a great champion. So overall, I give the pay-per-view high marks. I give it a thumbs up. Um, I tweeted, uh, I gave it 87.2 stars on the Dave Meltzer rating system. <laughs> Just because I think Dave Meltzer is such a tool. But good matches. All the wrestlers went all in. And that's the reason you watch this stuff. Even though the storylines and the angles aren't as good as they used to be. Uh, there are too many writers in WWE. Uh, like I said, they destroyed... NXT, they're trying to destroy women by making it more about sex appeal than about women's wrestling. But overall, it was a good pay-per-view. Uh, I was not disappointed in the performance in any of the matches. I was, if anything, overly impressed. Cody and Seth Rollins need to main event a WrestleMania and have a 30 or 40 minute classic one of these days at Wrestlemania that would just tickle the shits out of me so that is the end of my recap and review WWE needs to get better at its uh, storyline building its build up to the matches and that will get the fans back interested in it other than that, I have no complaints about this pay-per-view. So, God bless y'all. Pray for one another. Uh, God bless America. Play. F oh, 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 good heavens. Charlotte Flair, <laughs> wink, wink, has a, a broken radial bone in her arm from the Ronda Rousey uh, arm bar. So, say a kayfabe prayer for Charlotte's arm. <laughs> so, I had to get that in. All right. Good night. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening and watching. And <laughs>